I am looking forward to the day when our voices can blend for all of eternity. You know what? I probably won't sound near as bad as I do now when I get there. You know what I'm saying? I think our voices are going to be uh, maxed out and they're going to be a little better than what they are here. Exciting. Can you turn me down? I'm excited about that. Um, I appreciate everybody being here today and uh, making an effort to come out and, and join in in uh, worship, join in listening to God's word. And uh, I think it's an awesome time uh, to be able to spend time together as a church and as a group of people um, praising God, worshiping Him, and listening to another word, uh, another message from God's word. This morning, our message is entitled "Until Death." Do us part. And when we think about this concept of until death do us part, um, you think of two old people walking down the road holding hands, don't you? That's what I think of. It's like, you know what? I can't wait. Well, I can't, but I'm looking forward to the day when I'm old and gray and my wife is old and gray and we can still hold hands and walk down that road together. I'm looking forward to those days. But you know what? I'm enjoying the days that we have now. And you know what, I, the kids, the, the people say it about their kids, and I was like, oh, I love this stage. Oh, I love this age. I love every age. You know, I really do. And, and people fret about getting older, and people fret about what's going to happen when, you know, they get old. You know what, it's part of life. And so I think we just embrace it and enjoy it and have fun with it as much as we can. It's part of life, you know, what God gives it all started August 24th, 1996 for me. And um, that's a long time ago. That's 20 years ago, by the way. In, in a couple of weeks, uh, like six or eight, it'll be 20 years that we've been married. And it all started on the top of a mountain. And we decided we were going to do our pictures early in the day and then have the wedding and then go directly to reception so people didn't have to wait in between. And so we went without breakfast and I drove up the mountain. And so we went without lunch. One o'clock rolls around and wedding happens. And uh, we went to a reception. And of course we got a bite of cake or something, you know, had to do that. Cross our boat and feed each other. I don't still don't know how that works, but so we got at least a, a bite of cake. And then we made the mistake of opening our gifts at the reception, which took the entire reception. Everybody just sat there and watched us open gifts for an hour. Yeah. Super exciting, right? So there was a huge table spread out for everyone else to eat, but we were stuck behind this table opening presents, so we didn't get to eat. So down the mountain we came and starving um, to death. We had a room in Greeley, of all places. Sorry for all you people who live in Greeley. Um, it was a fantasy suite, and it was wonderful. It was great. Then, it's not so great now. I don't know, maybe they've revamped them. I don't know. The last time I was there, they're pretty scary, pretty, pretty disgusting. Um, so we stayed there, came back to church the next morning, and, um, you know, all the months and, and years of dating, we were on our best behavior. We were doing things uh, probably better than we ever thought we were capable of, right? I would do things for Carol, that, and she would do things for me, 
um, you know, write each other notes and leave each other, you know, gifts here and there and do all kinds of really nice things. Does anybody else experience that while you're dating? Once the honeymoon hit, when you're on the honeymoon, reality sort of set in. I am stuck with this person in my car and on this in the next two weeks. We basically had two weeks. The first week was in Lake Powell, and the second week was at a family camp in Montana. I was stuck with this person. I could not get her out of the car. She could, I couldn't leave her at McDonald's. Ron tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> you just can't leave her behind anymore. She's got to go with you, right? And her temperature level and my temperature level, the car we rented, because our cars wouldn't make it that far, the car we rented did not have his and hers kind of temperature. Some cars nowadays have a, a cooler temperature on one side of the car and warmer on the other. Ours didn't have that. So I'm literally suffocating the entire trip all the way to Lake Powell because she has this temperature scale that is off the charts. Um, she's cold all the time, until um, unless she's pregnant. She's cold all the time. And it's just, it's ridiculous. So I was hot all the way down there. I get down there, it's 95 degrees, and I'm stuck on this houseboat with this same girl, my wife, for a whole week. And there was no person in sight, just her and me. And it's like, you get mad at her, or she gets mad at me, there's nowhere to go. You can go walk off the end of the boat, but you've got to get back at some point, right? So you're stuck. And I didn't realize how much life would change even during the honeymoon. Guess what we did on the honeymoon? We wrote thank you notes to everybody who gave us gifts. That's what we did. We sat in a hot houseboat and wrote thank you notes. It was too hot to sleep in the houseboat, so we put the mattresses up on top of the roof, and that's where we slept. And we learned early on, very the first couple of days we were there, actually the first night we were there, we parked in this nice green lush mistake. Anywhere there's greenery, there's gnats. And anywhere there's gnats, there's bats. The gnats weren't bad, but the bats were crazy. I mean, literally laying flat on your back, on the on the top of the houseboat, and the bats were literally right here. Trying to get the gnats that are trying to get you. It was awesome. Spectacular. Wake up in the morning and I look over and Carol's gone. Oh great. She rolled off into the lake. I look down and she's got her fishing pole. She's standing down there in her PJs in her fishing pole and she's fishing because the fish are all hitting the surface all around the boat. And she can't stand it to just let them hit the surface without trying to catch them. Bizarre. But anyway. So I went from there, we drove all the way across three states, all the way up to Montana, to join in a family camp with the rest of my family, which was the most awkward thing in the world. Sleep in a bunkhouse in a bed with my new wife in the same room as the rest of my family. That was weird. But we made it through, barely. Obviously. Honeymoons are interesting. And the time after honeymoons are interesting. And I want us to look at a couple of Bible scriptures today and give us a couple of vital truths 
that we want to grab out of these out of these passages of scripture, and then we're going to get real practical. All right. I hope that uh, if you're here this morning and and you're not married, or maybe you've been married and now you're divorced, maybe you're a, a young person, a, a boy or a girl, and you're like, you know what? I, I, we heard this marriage sermon a couple weeks ago. Why are you going here again? Well, there's just too much to be said about a relationship between a husband and a wife. And it needs to be said in this context. Because in this context is the way that the world will be changed. If we as, as a church family can uh, adopt and hold on to God's truths, we can help others outside of our congregation also hold on to that same truth of what a family is all about. I want you to turn in your Bible to... Uh, to pass the scripture in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And then you come to Corinthians. I forgot to show you something. I brought this as proof that I was captain of the boat. Lake Powell, 1996. Still, still in existence and hasn't gotten eaten by moths or anything. <laughs> Captain of the boat. It's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 7 is where we're going to start. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13 as well as Ephesians 5 for the three passages of Scripture we're going to grab a hold of this morning. Um, our, our vows are, are backed by verses, and I want to I once again mention some vital truths that we can hold on to. And um, as we get to these little bullet points, and you'll see them in your notes or in your um, note sheet on the back of your um, bulletin. As we get to those, uh, just grab all of them, just think about them, just suck on them for a bit and let, let them sink into your mind. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and uh, verse 28 to start with. Before we do that, let's go to God in word of prayer. God, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to be together today. I thank you for instituting the, uh, the best relationship on earth we're going to have, and that's between a husband and a wife. We thank you for uh, the joy that can be in this relationship. And God, I pray that each and every one of us here, uh, whether we're married or not, or looking forward to marriage, or, or on the backside of an ugly one, uh, maybe we lost our, our spouse to to death. God, I pray that wherever we're at, we can use these truths to not just benefit our husband-wife relationship, but any relationship that we have. God, I pray that you'll bless us this morning. Pray things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 28 says, if you do get married, it's not a sin. Well, that's good. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. Yes. However, those who get married at this time will have what? We'll have blessings and bliss and euphoria and just, ah. No, it's not what the Bible says. Nobody told me the Bible said this. Look at it. It says, if you get married, you will have trouble. It's not something that comes on the coffee mugs at the Bible Superstore. The message translation says, by marrying, you will add stress to an already stressful life. Day one in my marriage, I discovered exactly what the Bible said. 
the first thing I thought was, how long will it take to get Carol to think just like me? It's been 20 years, and I think I'm getting close. <laughs> Not. When you get married, there's going to be trouble. The Bible tells us there will. It's going to add stress to an already stressful life. When you have to interact with someone else, there's going to be stress, and there's going to be, it's going to be part of life. A great marriage is going to be full of trouble. Truth number two there. You can't fall in love. You can fall in emotion, but you can't fall in love. Let's go over to, to 1 Corinthians 13, a few pages back. You know this passage of Scripture. We hear it read at, at weddings and at, uh, you know, at any time there's a, a couple talking about something, it's, it's, you know, that's what you're going to talk about. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 13. I want us to look at what the Bible definition of love is is right out the door Paul tells the Corinthian church love is patient we can just pretty much stop right there this is the premier definition of biblical love and look where it starts love is patient if you had to define love what would be the first words you would use Love is erotic. Love is breathtaking. Sweaty palms and heart pounding in your chest. Love is bliss. Love is passion. God picks. Love is patient. If marriage was going to be easy, do you think he would have put patience as the first word to describe love? Nope. And if you can't get this one, love is patient, you might as well not even go on to the rest of the definition. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of, of being wronged. He wouldn't define love with it keeps no record of being wronged if it wasn't going to happen in the context of marriage. Intentional wrongs or unintentional in marriage, we're going to have to deal with those. They're going to happen. You're going to have to fight against all this junk that will come against your marriage. Satan doesn't like marriages. He hates them. He hates your marriage. He hates the thought of you being married to someone else and you submitting to that someone else and loving them with all your heart because that is a symbol of what Christ did for us. He hates it. And he's willing to do anything to destroy it. Look at verse 7 and 8. Love never gives up. Highlight, underline, circle. Never gives up. It never loses faith. Is always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. The end of verse 8 says, but love will last forever. These words are illegal. In a marriage relationship, you are not allowed to use them. If you're doing counseling with me and you say one of these words while we're discussing your problems or your situations or, or your relationship, I've had, I've had to make people 
pay me every time they say always and never. Because they say it so often in their relationship. Put a quarter in that jar every time you say always and never. Well, he's always doing this. He never does that. She's always doing that. No, that's an exaggeration. That's going to cause problems. But look at what God does. Look at what the passage of Scripture says. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. I hate how the world describes this word love. How many of you watch reality TV? Anybody? I know it's really difficult to admit. Okay, everybody close your eyes and raise your hand if you watch reality TV. I know you don't want to admit it, but you all do it once in a while. Okay, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have a TV. Have you ever watched The Bachelor? Anybody? Has anybody seen any part of The Bachelor? Okay, so there's some... You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There's... On The Bachelor, a very handsome young man is... And and usually this, this man is in a very good position in his life. He's graduated high school. He's made it through college. He's got a great, basically a successful life ahead of him, right? That's what they portray. I don't know if it's actually true. But anyway, that's what they portray. And he is put in a very romantically charged environment, and they bring in 30 well-qualified, talented, beautiful women for him to meet. And throughout the show, week by week by week, he has to eliminate one lady or two ladies each week. And he gives the rose to the lady that he's going to keep, right? So it gets down. Poor Ben Higgins. Ben Higgins, young man, ends up down to three ladies, and he cannot figure out which one he wants to keep. He finally ends up and dumps Kayla. Kayla? Is that her name? I don't What was that? What was her name? I think it was Kayla. It was the, it was the uh, darker-haired, really cute smile um, girl that, that he dumped right at the last minute. Then there was two left. Lauren and JoJo. Yes, Lauren and JoJo. By the way, JoJo is the new Bachelorette. She's on the next show. We haven't watched any of that, thank God. He tells both of these ladies that he loves them. And he has to send one of them home and propose to the other one. There is no way that in six weeks or eight weeks time that you can come to a place in your relationship to propose after you have just dumped 29 women. Impossible. No way. Yeah, there may be emotion. But love, you got another thing coming, buddy. Ben, you got another thing coming. I think you picked the right one, but man. It gets worse. I haven't seen the commercials on TV, TV, but I've been told they're on ESPN. The scene is this. A guy walks in the middle, wakes up in the middle of the night next to a woman. There's clothes strewn all over the house or all over the room. You assume that something took place the night before. There's a bottle of booze on the table. 
And he wakes up and he begins to sneak out. He takes the arm of the woman next to him and, and he sneaks out and he grabs his clothes and he grabs his shoes and he begins to sneak down the stairs. The voiceover says, most of us can recover from a one night stand with another woman. As he sneaks down the stairs, he sees a picture of the woman that he just climbed out of bed with in a picture with him on their wedding night. Or their wedding day. The voiceover came back and says, you can recover from a one night stand, but not when it's every night for the rest of our lives. Are you ready to cheat on your spouse? Get a free membership today. And then it had a website listed. When you go to the site, it's real. I thought it was a joke. It's not. It's a real website. When you get to the website, it says on the opening page, life is short. Have an affair. This is the world's premier dating service with over 46,325,000 anonymous members. It brags, it is the most famous name in infidelity and married dating, as seen on Hannity, Howard Stern, Time, Business Week, Sports Illustrated, Maxim, and U.S. Today. It is most recognized and reputable married dating company. Our married dating services for married individuals work. We are the most successful website for finding an affair and cheating partners. Have an affair today on us. Thousands of cheating wives and cheating husbands sign up every day looking for an affair. We are the most famous website for discreet encounters between married individuals. Married dating has never been easier. With our affair guarantee package, we guarantee you will find the perfect affair partner. Sign up for free today. What? You've got to be kidding me. I hope it's a joke beyond that, but I kind of doubt it. I didn't click any further than that. Nobody told us that marriage would be trouble. Nobody told us that it would add stress to an already stressful life. The world has plenty of outs. It has plenty of opportunities to do whatever it is you want to do outside of marriage. Vital truth number three, love is a choice. It's not an emotion that you fall into, it's a choice. Emotions are something to start a marriage on, not something that will sustain one. Ben Higgins, you got a serious awakening coming, buddy. That emotion in that emotionally charged and romantically charged environment I mean, they're going to Jamaica and Bahamas and, and all of these just super romantic places. Life back in wherever he lives, Illinois, Ohio, isn't like that. Love is a choice. There's more than emotion built up. You can't sustain a marriage on emotion. Those feelings that we felt while we were dating, those emotions that made us think we could do this for the rest of our lives were not something that we could sustain a marriage on. Those are just to get it started. Maybe you haven't built your relationship, your marriage, 
on the choice of love. Maybe you're stuck. You feel like your relationship is going one step forward and two steps back. Here's where to go. Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And he, he explains that he had just gotten done explaining that, that Christ has done for you all of these amazing things. And now here's how you should walk. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. A few more pages to the right. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Here's your answer. Imitate God. Ha, no problem. Got this. Check. Really? Imitate God? Paul, that's what you want us to do? Imitate God? What makes you think that little old me can imitate God? And especially when I'm stuck with this lady that won't turn on the air conditioner. I want to just open the door and just give her a kick. It would be so much cooler in the car. It would be so much cooler in the house. It goes on. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. For the next 21 verses, he tells about all the stuff that we are to get rid of in our lives. All the stuff that we need to eliminate, that we need to, do, we need to purge from our lives so that we can be this imitator of God. That we can be an example to all those around us by following Christ's example. He offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. He says no obscenity. Don't get, don't, don't get stuck in, in, in curse words and ugly joking. Don't get drunk. No greed. Don't worship things here on this earth. All this stuff we're to get rid of. We're to eliminate from our, from our lives. Take it away from us so that we can be the person that God wants us to be. Then he drops this. Down in verse 21. Look at it with me. Ephesians 5 and verse 21. It says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Some translations say yield to one another. I like this word yield. It means, you know what? If, if, if she's coming at me, I'm going to yield and I'm going to give in to her. Submission, vital truth. Submission is not one-sided. It's not inferiority and it's inferiority and it's not blind obedience. We're not looking at, at king rule, king tut, and the you know the, the king of the castle and everybody else must serve him. That's not the way a home should be run. A home is mutual submission, mutual respect. And the way it's worded in this passage of scripture is this in, in verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. Yeah, it says that wives should submit to their husbands right before that. But you know what? That verse right there tells me that submission is mutual. It's love and respect for your wife. It's, it's putting her needs before your own. It doesn't matter whether the word submit is in that verse or not. That verse tells me that submission is part of life. On both sides. It's not one-sided. And it's not inferiority. One person is not less than the other. You're, on, you're in this together. 
And by you working together, you can be that image of Christ to those around and to your children. This agape type love, this unconditional, straight line, never wavering kind of love. Give up your life for hers kind of love. This is take all the worldly views of submission and throw them out the window and love your spouse unconditionally. Some guys will say, oh yeah, I'd take a bullet for my wife. But a few seconds later, they won't get off the couch and empty the dishwasher. What's the difference? It's the little things, ladies and gentlemen. It's the little things that amount to the big things. We all want to be a hero. We all want to do that for our spouse. We all are born to protect. But you know what? Protecting is sometimes the little things. It's everyday kind of things that matter the most. He ends up clear down in verse 33 of this chapter 5, saying it all over again. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Why does he say it again? Because you know what? It's probably going to be a challenge. We're probably going to run into times when we don't want to. Vital truth. Submission is putting the needs and interests of someone else above your own. Two people coming together for the rest of their lives, looking at what God says about marriage, living out each and every day, trying to meet the needs and desires of their spouse, giving up their own desires and their own will for the other. I'm going to put their needs and desires above my own. Two people chasing each other, trying to meet the needs of the other. Can I commit to making the decision to love them? I hope you have and I hope you can. Submission is putting the needs of others ahead of your own. Let me tell you this vital truth. A 50-50 marriage is a doomed marriage. We get this idea when two people are, are married, they, they each give their 50% and it ends up to be 100% and we're a happy dead battery. It is. It's huge. It worked. Let's see if this one has any... A 50-50 marriage is a dead battery. We all know this doesn't happen. I don't always give 100% every day to my marriage. There are days when I give maybe 80, maybe 60. It just doesn't always happen. I'm not saying that I'm deliberately holding back, but I'm a selfish person. Maybe I'm the only one in the room that doesn't give 100% effort to their marriage, but... But I doubt it. God asks us to give 100% all the time, even if they don't do their part. Be imitators of God. Pursue your spouse 100% because of what Christ did for you. But listen to me. When, when I'm given my 60% and she's given her 80%, guess what? We're 40% in the clear. Right? We are. So don't just meet her halfway. Go the extra. You know what else happens? You know, I notice that there's, there's days when I'm just feeling like, you know, I don't want to do it. I'm done. I just, I'm tired of it. 
I'm not going to get up and, and wash the dishes. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to get up and vacuum. I'm not going to get up and change that stinky diaper again. I'm just going to sit here for a minute and see if she does it. When I see her giving her 80, 90, 100%, you know what it does to me? Like, you know what? I need to be doing better. I need to get up and do something too. I need to get up and, and give to this relationship like I know I should. So there's the vital truths. Now, let's get practical. I'm leaving. Smell you later. You almost squeaked the speaker. So I asked many of you this week about a definition of love. Love is what? And these are the responses that I got. Some of them, some of them I used a single word because I got a paragraph. But, but some of these are the words that we found that you sent. With, with, each, and every, um, with each and every one of these words, uh, it makes up uh, an entire person, right? So let's just pretend that this is, um, that this is Carol. This, she needs all of these things in order to make her... Uh, relationship in order for her for, for me to love her I have to know this wheel I have to follow this wheel I have to make sure that all of this wheel is full right okay so over here you've got this this zero to hundred percent right and you can spin that dial on each one of these things let's say we're gonna land over here on appreciation how many times today have I verbally mentioned that I am grateful for her, that I appreciate the things that she does. Now, I'm probably not very good right now. I'm probably a 30 or a 40 right now. How about patience? Have I shown her patience today? Have I, have I given her the, what she needs to, to fill her up, to make her know that I love her in, in the realm of patience today? Each and every one of these things and, and many more. There's, and, and you could have a whole bunch more than this. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you say? Um, different folks have different spokes. <laughs> Sounds kind of cool. But all of these things, they, they may not be the same for you. And for me, there's really only probably three or four spokes on my wheel. I'm pretty simple. Most guys are. But for a lot of us, uh, many of these things need to be full, need to be maxed out, need to be full of 100% in order to survive. Maybe not, maybe not all of them. Not, I give Carol a call, I send her a text and say, um, I'm on my way home, I'll be home in about seven or eight minutes. So on my way out of the office, shut the door, lock it, make it to the bottom of the stairs, and there's Bob and Dee trying to get into, um, Dee from Birthline, trying to get into the man cave because they're trying to get some paint. And they want P1. P1 is this color outside here in the, in the foyer, that nice little tan color. And we are out of P1, except for a five-gallon bucket that Dustin bought on Friday. Bob and Dee cannot pour a five-gallon bucket of paint into a little tiny cup to do the touch-ups that they need to do in Birthline. So 
being the nice guy that I am, I went in there and made sure that we were able to pour some paint for them and got it cleaned up and so that they had their little cup that they could do their, their touch-ups. So it took a few extra minutes, like, probably more like 15 minutes, right? I told Carol I was on my way home, but now I'm already 15 minutes late. I walk out the door and, and Sean is sitting on the curb out here and he's all dejected and Kayla, his, his partner, is skirting around him trying to stay as far away in the parking lot as she can from him while she pushes the stroller and she gets to the curb and jets down the street and he sits there, head hung low. I gotta go talk to him. What's going on, Sean? So I sit here and talk to him for 10 or 15 minutes in the process, Gwen and um, somebody else, who was it? I don't remember who else it was. Anyway, come out and, and say goodbye and interrupt and so I get done with Sean. By that time, it's been 45 minutes. Carol's expecting me in five. How do you think our, uh, let's see, let's, let's, let's land on communication. How do you think my communication, how do you think Carol is feeling loved by my communication at that point? What do you think? Dawn's going like this. What, maybe eight or nine, right? How about, how about trust? Is she trusting me? How's that doing? How's that? <laughs> she might trust me, but... But I better be careful, right? Because it's, it's probably down a little bit. Um, let's see. What about, uh, what about honesty? I said I was going to be home in, in 10 minutes. Honesty's sort of bad right now because I'm not there, right? Hopefully hers is 100% on the patients, right? Because when I get home, hopefully she'll be, you know, jazzed about, you know, being patient with me. Cold cheese sandwiches on the table. You see where, this, see where I'm going with this? Not every relationship needs just these. Some need more, some need less. I don't care what your wheel has on, it doesn't matter. All I need to be concerned with is what's on Carol's wheel. And all she needs to be concerned with is what's on my wheel. And I need to know her wheel like the back of my hand. I need to know it so well that no matter what I'm doing, I can apply my life so that she can have what she needs to survive, what she needs to feel close to me. When Ephesians says we need to submit to one another, it means that we know what's on the other person's wheel. Marriage is a lot like an escalator. You're either going up or you're going down. And believe it or not, life, just everyday life, every single one of these things is going to deplete gradually. I haven't offended Carol today. There hasn't really been any sort of major headbutt uh, offense or headbutt argument or anything really crazy today. But you know what? Every single one of these things is gradually going down in her mind. Every single one of them. My patience, my sacrificial love, uh, the covenant that I have made with her. I haven't reestablished that covenant. Uh, maybe our, her sense of humor is a little bit down. It's just not, Sunday mornings aren't the best for a, a preacher's wife. Natural life sort of depletes these things. So if you're not working on them, if you're not trying to build them, they're going to be depleting. They're going to be sucking in on itself. And before you know it, you're sitting at a cumulative score of like eight or nine. And you know what happens at that point? Relationships begin to look outside the relationship, outside the marriage, to get those things filled up. 
That's what you don't want. We don't want that to happen. Marriage is like an escalator. You're either going up or you're going down in each one of these things. If you've ever been to the um, Colorado Convention Center, um, there's a really long escalator right behind the big blue bear. It goes up about two and a half stories. Have you ever been on that escalator? That escalator, as you're going up the escalator, there is people in speakers. It's piped out of the stairs. I don't know where the speakers are. There are people laughing hysterically. <laughs> That's me and my marriage. They're laughing as I'm going down. <laughs> That's the world. Sometimes it's the way I feel. They don't care. But God does. Many things in life will subtract from your, your percentage. Everyday life will subtract from it. All right, next. We're going to flip this room. This is a love line. Kind of like a lifeline, right? In a marriage. So this is a love line of your relationship with your mate. All right? Over here on the left is your wedding date. Over here I'm going to put August 24th, 1996. Guys, do you know when your wedding date was? Right off the top of your head. Got it? Good deal. Good job. August 24th, 1996 is when we started. As we tick down this line of life, we often come to these red blocks. These red blocks are life in general. There are things in life that happen that sort of your marriage just slams up against. It could be a loss of a job. It could be a loss of career. It could be, uh, it could be a death in the family. It could be health issues. It, could be, it can be really just lack of trust and lack of honesty in a relationship. It could be something that you maybe have brought into the relationship from a past relationship that just lands all of a sudden. Right? That's these, these big red blocks in a relationship. And as, as a person, as a relationship traveled down this line... You slam into this block and you have one or two options. You can blow up, just done, and just head right off the bottom of the chart. Just see you by. These positives and these negatives, this is kind of where we're at. You know, in our relationship, the first couple of months uh, may have been, uh, well, after the honeymoon, it was like way down here, like, oh man, I don't know who this is. And, and it may have been down here for a long time. And, and then I started to learn who she was, and I started to figure her out a little bit, and she started to figure me out. And we maybe made it back up, up to the positive before we hit our first block, before I got fired from my job, before her job changed, before we had to foreclose on a house or experience bankruptcy. or You see, all the things in life happen. If you're not in a positive situation with your spouse, if you haven't worked on all the things that are on the back of this board and kept that wheel in a positive state all the way around, you won't have the strength or energy to get up and over this block. You won't make it. We'll, you'll, you'll hit this block and you'll drop right off. And you'll look outside the relationship for help. If you're in the negative, there's possibilities of making it up and over but you've got to be willing to go get help, right? You've got to be like, okay, who, who do I know that can help me with my relationship? 
It's funny though that there are some relationships that have a tendency to stay right up in here. And then they even get better and better as time goes on. And they work on all of those things that are on that wheel. And they're developing their relationship to the point that even these major life events, these major problems that hit their relationship, they seem like not even a blip on their love line. How did that relationship just just make it through that? How is that even possible? If, if that happened in my relationship, oh man, I'd be done. You know why? Because they were in a positive spot. They had both loved on each other on that wheel on the back of this board to the point that they were 80, 90, 100% in every one of those areas that they needed and it wasn't even a blip on their scale. But the same thing happens on the other side of things. We start letting things go and we start uh, not worrying about, you know what, it's, it's probably okay, I don't need to worry about that. You know, trust isn't really that important and you know what, she's been dishonest with me and, and he's been dishonest with me before and you know, I just don't think it's necessary to work on that honesty piece. And, you know, the covenant we made, I haven't reiterated that, and I really haven't shown much appreciation, but she knows I love her because I'm still here. And we just continue down that road, and we live underneath the same roof, but we're not really together. When a roadblock happens, when we're in this spot, the world offers plenty of solutions, plenty of places you can go to get those needs they're on the back of this board met. They're just a click away. Well, just go find somebody else that meets your needs. It'll be all right. That's what the world tells you. These red blocks happen to every person in every person's relationship. They're not exclusive to one relationship or another. And it has very little to do with your relationship with God. These things are going to happen in your relationship. There's going to be times when things happen that you're not expecting. If you're not in the positive, your relationship has a, may, may not make it. It's the little things that matter. It's all about the little things. We have to be strategic about all the little things on that love wheel. And when we hit one of these red blocks, we have what it takes to make it over. We have to be strategic about our relationship in order to climb to new heights. I've seen couples that have major red blocks in their relationships, like I said, and it's just been a blip on the love line. They don't even feel it in their relationship because you know what? Their relationship is so strong that they have just bounced right over that. They've made it right over that blip. It doesn't affect their relationship at all. Trouble and stress will happen in relationships. What will they do to your marriage? Mutual submission means clearly stating your expectations. And, and that brings us to the last cycle. Uh, we call it the love cycle. And I basically got, have five words for you, and they're on your sheet there. Um, joy, disillusionment, misery, understanding, and, and mature love. All of these things, all, every relationship is in one of these five places. Obviously, the moment you get married, you're at the height of your joy level and you're just, oh yeah, this is great. Love is wonderful and life is great with my spouse. And then you realize that, you know what? They like it hot in the car. And so you've got to 
come to the understanding and you've got to figure out that, you know what, this is the way life is going to be. You've, come, you've got this disillusionment going on and you're like, well, you know what, nobody ever told me that marriage was going to be like this. Nobody ever told me that she was like that. Nobody ever told me that he snored. Nobody ever told me that he had so many relationships before me. We get to that disillusionment stage and we, we just guess that, you know what, I guess this is the way my relationship is going to be. We settle into that and that brings on misery. We're just miserable in that relationship. We don't have, no, have anywhere to go. We don't know what to do. Uh, and it's, it's just, that's when the world tells us to bail out. That's when the world says, you know what, it's easier just to, just to let go and head on down the road. The next thing that needs to happen is tough communication. Tough communication needs to happen next. And that brings the understanding. What do you need from me? And what I need from you is this. You've got to have those conversations. Carol, we have got to come to some sort of agreement about what the temperature of this car. It is not gonna work to have it 85 degrees in here. It's not gonna work. We've, I need to be cooler over here in order to be content. I know you use a stupid car temperature thing, but you know how this goes in any other, every other, every other part of your relationship. We've got to have those, we've got to ask those tough questions. What do you need differently from me? And here's what I need differently from you. Share those expectations. Carol and I are proof that God's way works. You can look around this room and see other couples where, where you can see that God's way works. We've experienced moments of disillusionment. Then we have spent the time in misery and we, we didn't want to be there very long. And so we, we, we didn't want to give up. And so we, we worked into finding out what each other wanted. We had those hard conversations. We began to understand each other better, the needs of each other. And through that mutual submission, got back to a mature love. That's where we all want to be. Vital truths have been shared. I've given you some practical things that you can use in your relationship. I hope that the things we've shared today have been beneficial and helpful. And um, you know what? I've learned things this week from my time in God's Word and the things that I've found this week to help my relationship grow. And I hope that you can grab onto those things too and help your relationship as well. Thank you for your attention this morning. I thank you for spending the time with us uh, to dive into these things and look at them a little bit closer and um, find out what it is that God wants out of our relationship.